everywhere. This is for you. It's Wednesday, March 21st, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Chet, we only took one week off, but for you it's been a whirlwind. Disney World, Clearwater, a couple of Nor'easters, maybe a concert or two, all the while keeping up with Philly sports teams. And Oh, did I mention that March Madness has been crazy too? You've been a busy man. Yeah, it has been crazy, Bill. Busy month on so many fronts, from the hoops to the many moves made by the Eagles, which we'll discuss, to, yes, the lovely spring weather here in the Philly and South Jersey area. (laughs) Well, you've got a whole handful of inches of snow on the ground right now, and more coming, right? Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be snowing a couple of more hours here on this Wednesday evening. All right. Well, hey, we've got a busy show in front of us with two guests tonight, so let's get it rolling. And As you know, Chad, our first guest is a guy that – has seen it all in the Philly sports scene going back to 1972, covering the Phillies for 45 years, the Eagles, the Big Five, Drexel Hoops, Army-Navy, and a whole lot more. And later on, we're going to hear from one of the legendary Broad Street bullies also to talk Flyers hockey, the great Bob Hound Kelly. So an action-packed hour for sure. And looking forward to it. So let's, uh, let's welcome making his first visit to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, the PA voice of the Philadelphia sports Dan Baker, welcome, Dan. Hi, Chet and Bill. How are you? Awesome. Dan, are you still down in uh, sunny Florida, or are you stuck in the snow somewhere? I'm stuck in sunny Florida. Uh, (laughs) We were supposed to come back uh, today, uh, but our flight was canceled. uh, So we're going to fly back tomorrow through Nashville, and uh, we'll we'll get into Philadelphia tomorrow night. Well, Dan, spending another day or two in Florida isn't the worst thing in the world, I can tell you that. All right. No, now, it's not. Be, yeah, because I know everything I read on the Internet is absolutely true. I'm sure, Dan, that this is accurate, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You are currently Major League Baseball's longest-tenured PA announcer. Is that right? Yes. Since Bob Shepard retired as the PA voice of the New York Yankees following the 2007 season, uh, I've been the longest-tenured active PA announcer in Major League Baseball. So that's a distinction, Chet and Bill, that I've enjoyed for, uh, you know, about 11 years or so now. Very nice. All right, Dan, I know you're an alum of Glassboro State, now Roan. You got your master's at Temple. You taught elementary school for a while. How'd you end up with the Phillies as their PA announcer in 1972? Well, uh, I was doing statistics for the Eagles uh, and spotting. Uh, in the press box uh, beginning in the late 1960s at Franklin Field. And uh, the uh, press box steward uh, for the Eagles at Franklin Field was a man named Pat Cassidy. And uh, Mr. Cassidy uh, told me of a possible opening at the Phillies. Uh, As you may know, Chet and Bill, a veteran stadium opened in 1971. Um, The uh, First year for the Phillies, uh, I was not the PA announcer. I did the PA announcing for the Phillies for 32 of the 33 years the Phillies played baseball at Veterans Stadium. But in any case, following that 71 season, the Phillies first at the vet, uh, Mr. Cassidy alerted me that they might be making a change in PA voices. And would I have an interest? And I said, oh, my goodness, you know, I'd give my right arm to have a shot at that. And he said, well, look, uh, young man, I think I can arrange for an interview with my boss, who is Bill Giles, uh, 
and uh, after that, you're on your own. Well, Mr. Cassidy, true to his word, set up the interview. I met with Bill Giles in uh, November of 1971. Fortunately, the interview went very well. Bill hired me uh, to start as the Phillies PA announcer in April of 1972. And uh, here I am 47 years later in the same job, loving every minute of it. Wow. Well, hey, Dan, you, you've uh, been able to announce five World Series, a couple of Major League Baseball uh, All-Star games, just sticking to the to baseball at this point. Um, mm-hmm. Is one of those five or one of those events your favorite uh, game to have called, or is there a different game that uh, sticks out as your favorite baseball? Well, Bill, the two World Series championships – would be my favorites uh, of the, the baseball experiences. Of course, 1980 and uh, 2008. Um, the other World Series, of course, were 1983, 1993, and 2009. Um, uh, kind of a double thrill with the Major League Baseball All-Star Game in 1976 is that it was the first time, uh, of the first of two opportunities, uh, Chet and Bill, that I had to introduce a president of the United States. Uh, I introduced President Gerald R. Ford at the 1976 wow. Major League Baseball All-Star Game, and I introduced President George W. Bush at the 2004 Army-Navy football game at Lincoln Financial Field. Wow. Awesome. Of course, one key to being a good PA announcer is getting the names right. I know you double-checked them, Dan, I'm sure of that, but have you ever messed up names, and did you ever hear about it from players? Not too frequently, uh, fellas, because I do a lot of homework. Um, I feel that, uh, just as you enumerated, Chet, one of the uh, important uh, rules for a PA announcer is to say the names accurately uh, and to get it right. And so, uh, you know, I'll check with the, you know, a lot of times the phonetics are provided in a media guide or even on the uh media uh, notes that they uh, give out the night of the game. Um, but I, I will also uh, ask the PR people, broadcasters, manager, coaches, uh, uh, teammates, and sometimes the player himself if I have any question about how to pronounce his name. And then I'll actually have them say it to me a couple of times. But I have made a couple of mistakes. Uh, I, by the way, I've done over 3,700 games. Uh, wow. And uh, one of the mistakes that I made uh, occurred uh, in the mid-'70s. The Phillies had a first baseman, uh, number 27, Willie Montanez. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a matter of fact, this might have been 74. And uh, the uh, San Francisco Giants had a Hall of Fame first baseman, number 44, Willie McCovey. Well, anyway, (laughs) uh, Willie Montanez stood in the box and for some reason or other, I announced now batting for the Phillies, number 27, Willie McCovey. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, and uh, Willie Montanez stopped dead in his tracks. He was a left-handed batter, turned, pivoted, looked up at the PA booth, <laughs> and, and uh, looking at me, you know, like, what's going on? And, and the next day he came up to me and he, and he grabbed me from behind. He said, Monson, yes, Monson, yes. And I said, oh, <laughs> Willie, I'm so sorry. You know, uh, just one of those things. And, uh, you know, I guess 
I'm sure it's happened to you. I think it happens to everyone. Uh, every once in a while, you have a little brain cramp or something like that, or you know, you, you get distracted. Again, as I say, it doesn't happen very often. And I, relatively speaking, and, and I should say comparatively speaking, uh, you know, like play-by-play guys will make more mistakes because they have to talk a lot more. There's a, when you say a lot more words, obviously uh, the opportunity to make a mistake uh, and more ad-libbing also, more ad-libbing on their part. Exactly right. So, But I, I try to stick to the script pretty much. And uh, so I think I've been pretty lucky and that I've minimized uh, those mistakes. Well, Dan, when you, when you call a game, uh, broadcast a game, you are very exciting and have a very booming voice when you do that job to begin with. But how excited do you get as you're watching Roy Halladay throwing a masterpiece or does your adrenaline get going just like everybody else's and how do you control that or do you not do you just let it go yeah it sure does bill um i think it's uh, i i never lose the perspective for a moment that i have a job to play there and that job is to provide uh information uh, you know as a service to the fans if I start screaming or talk in an unintelligible way, uh, then, you know, people can't hear what's going on. Or, so uh, as excited as I may be, and I certainly will uh, modulate, and, you know, uh, uh, if, the, if the Phillies are rallying, uh, naturally I will have more excitement in my voice. But I try never to scream or distort my voice to the point where, uh, you know, the fans can't un- understand what I'm saying. Dan, Bill and I are old enough to remember the Sixers' longtime PA man extraordinaire, Dave Zinkoff. He was, of course, very memorable. I'm guessing you enjoyed his work as well? Oh, did I ever. Uh, uh, the Zink, you know, dipper dunk, goal on goal, <laughs> you know, at the Philadelphia Convention Hall and the arena and, and later the Spectrum with the 76ers. Uh, yeah, he was he was something special. Um, you know, a lot of flair, a great showman, very entertaining. I enjoyed him immensely. You're right about that. Hey, Dan, I know you did Big Five basketball for, what, over 20 years, 21 years or so, and I'm a yes. huge Big Five guy. And uh, as I've told the story, and Chet and I've talked about many times, my first job ever was as an usher at the Palestra in about 1973. Okay. Do you uh, – do you have fond memories of that, and do you have a favorite moment uh, working Big Five basketball? Well, uh, uh, of course, just about any Big Five City Series game at the Palestra uh, could be special. Uh, and any time LaSalle, Penn, St. Joe, Temple, and Villanova played a City Series game at the Palestra, or even in other venues, although it's more special in the Palestra, uh, you, you were always uh, – going to get some excitement i've done many ncaa tournament games i went to the final four with penn in 1979 that was the year that uh urban magic johnson and michigan state uh beat uh, larry bird and the sycamores of indiana state uh so i was right at courtside uh where uh, bob patron and i called the game on wwdb and what um so that that was pretty exciting. Uh, Penn uh, lost both games in Salt Lake City that year, although just for an Ivy League team to get 
to the Final Four was special. Uh, Penn lost to Michigan State in the semis and then lost to DePaul in overtime uh, in the uh, consolation game. Um, but, geez, there, there, you know, there have been you know, so many great ones. That same year, along uh, the way uh, to uh, getting to Salt Lake City in the NCAA Final Four, Penn upset North Carolina, which was a top-five team, uh, uh, down in uh, Raleigh at the Reynolds Coliseum. And that was, uh, uh, you know, a lot of fun calling that game. And that, that, that certainly sticks out. But all the City Series games, you know, are special. And, uh, you know, many NIT, I did a couple of NIT championship games involving big five teams. And uh, you're right, it, it's, a, it's a special tradition. It makes Philadelphia unique. Uh, I served as the executive secretary of the big five for 15 years. Uh, from 1981 to 1996, and uh, my Big Five broadcast career actually extends before and past those dates. I started broadcasting Big Five basketball in 1977 and uh, continued to broadcast uh, Big Five basketball uh, until 1998 when I moved over to Drexel University as uh, director of broadcasting for Drexel University Athletics and broadcast uh, Drexel Dragons basketball uh, through 2012. Very good. I want to talk about the 2018 Philadelphia Phillies now. Um, it's uh, a lot of new faces on the team, a lot of young guys who came up midway through last season. There's a new manager, Gabe Kapler. Uh, they only won 66 games last year, but there's some optimism about this season's team, um, especially the one through eight lineup. Uh, they just picked up Jake Arrieta. What do you expect from the Phillies in 2018? Well, I think uh, you're looking at, you know, maybe a 500 team. Uh, and once you're around 500, uh, you know, if, if things break your way, you know, you could have a shot at, you know, a wild card berth. Um, the uh, Phils have a lot of good young prospects. And uh, according to, you know, most baseball publications, uh, the Phillies farm system is probably in the top five. So there's a, a lot of terrific young players. They're developing. And last year, how about the show Reese Hoskins put on in the last third of the season? You know, and, uh, you know, I expect, I mean, and uh, that's just not a fluke. You know, Reese, if you, if you look at his uh, uh, track record in the minor leagues, he's hit a lot of home runs. Uh, he's uh, been on base a lot. He has a great on-base percentage. And, in fact, you're going to see this team is going to get on base a lot more and score a lot more than the last couple of Phil's teams. J.P. Crawford is going to have an on-base percentage, a high on-base percentage. You mentioned uh, recent uh, free agent pitcher signing Jake Arrieta. Of course, even before that, earlier this winter, Carlos Santana from the Cleveland <laughs> Indians. And uh, Santana uh, is going to hit a, you know, uh, 28 home runs. He walks 100 times. That's what his average has been for the past eight years. And uh, so he's going to get on base a lot. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, as long as uh, he's around, I mean, you know, he's a pretty good player. And, and, and yet you've got uh, Scott Kingery, uh, you know, uh, that's coming along. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism for the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Nick Williams last year, you know, uh, he played, he was up here for about two thirds of the year, uh, you know, uh, some pretty good numbers. 
and they project well over a full season. Uh, Oduble Herrera uh, has had a few good years already for the Phillies. Aaron Altair. Uh, there's a lot of good young talent. And then in the in the lower uh, minors, uh, you have a lot of terrific pitching prospects. So I think the Phillies have a very bright future. Well, Dan, you threw a couple of those names out in the Dan Baker voice. I just had to ask you. 35 years you've been doing this. The favorite name you've ever called? Well, you know, people ask me uh, my favorites, Chet and Bill, and I'm reluctant to give favorites because I don't want to slight anybody. Uh, There are some names that are more fun to say. They're usually the polysyllabic names, multiple (laughs) syllables, because they lend themselves to a more melodic interpretation, like... (laughs) Now batting for the Phillies, number 12, second baseman, Mickey Morandini. Or, <laughs> now batting for the Phillies, number 19, left fielder, Greg Luzinski. So, you know, the, right. the, uh, the polysyllabic names, like I said, are, are a lot of fun. Uh, and you can do a lot more with them uh, than you can with a one or two syllable less name, like mine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, hey, right. Dan, you mentioned you mentioned that Greg Lazinski, so I have to ask, will you again be co-hosting a show on WBCB 1490 with the Bull? Yes, it's also on 610 AM, uh, and this will be our uh, 11th year together. It's every Monday uh, during the baseball season, uh, beginning April 2nd. Larry Boa will be our first guest, and uh, the we do it from three sites, the Blue Bell Inn, Chickies and Pete's, and South Philadelphia, and um, Parks Casino and Ben Salem, PA. And uh, we have a nice little following, uh, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, It's an hour show. Well, Dan, this is probably something that might make you a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway because it's going to be talking directly about you. You've been named to the Big Five Hall of Fame. You've been inducted into Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. When does Dan Baker, in his 35 years of uh, outstanding work, get on the Phillies' wall? 45. 45. Well, this is this is 47 coming up. So I've already completed 46 years. First year was 72, and of course this is 2018. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, if if that ever happens, it's a bonus. I assume nothing. I'm just so grateful to have an opportunity like this, and uh, really appreciate the Phillies. Uh, allowing me this privilege for all of these years. Well, you heard it here first. We're going to promote you. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, Much deserved. You know, I, I, I've met a lot of nice people over the years, and uh, and I, I think I've gotten my fair share of recognition. But, you know, just to have the opportunity to come to work every day, and, and I, you guys know that I did the Eagles public address announcing for 29 years, yep. and I was very proud to perform in that role. And after the Eagles replaced me four years ago, uh, I was hired by Xfinity Live, the big uh, sports bar, uh, on the site of the former Spectrum in the South Philadelphia Sports Complex. And now I'm announcing every Eagles game home and away at Xfinity Live, including this year's three postseason games, the divisional playoff against the Falcons, uh, the NFC Championship game against the Vikings, and the Super Bowl win over the Patriots. 
So they had thousands uh, uh, that packed uh, Xfinity Live, uh, you know, for uh, the uh, watch parties uh, for Eagles football. And uh, and Xfinity Live does a terrific job with that promotion. I'm proud to be part of that also. Absolutely. And, Dan, this is not a question. I just want to throw this out there. You mentioned Xfinity Live. I actually met you outside Xfinity Live last year for some function, talked to you a little bit. You don't know who the heck I was, but that's okay because I didn't even say my name, I don't think. But you were still very nice, very cordial. And then I saw you again at the Philly Sports Writers Association banquet and mentioned our good buddy Joe Valley. And I wanted to thank Joe yeah. and give him a shout-out because I know you're tight with Joe and his father. And Joe Valley, who's been on our show a couple of times, helped to bring all this together to get you on our show here on Philly Press Box Radio. So it all kind of comes together in some strange way. The Valleys are dear friends of our families, and Joe Valley Jr. is a very talented uh, writer and broadcaster. Yep. Uh, his dad and mom and his grandfather uh, owned uh, one of the most successful car dealerships in the greater Delaware Valley for many, many years, uh, Valley and Bow Cadillac and Oldsmobile in Woodbury, New Jersey. Very good. Well, hey, Dan, way, I, I, love, I love your opening, if you would allow me to say, uh, listening to Gene Hart and Bill Campbell, oh, yeah. Harry Callis and Merrill Reese, all good friends of mine. Wow, what a terrific opening for Philly uh, Press Box Radio. Well, thank well, you. We yes, uh, four legends right there for sure. Absolutely. Well, Dan, hey, we, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks for coming on and get home safe. And if not, stay in Florida a little longer. Uh, I, I'm getting ready for the Phillies' regular season, and uh, it's not too far away. The Phillies tied today, by the way, tied the Blue Jays 7-7. Seven, seven. Seven, uh, seven. Reese Hoskins hit a couple of home runs. I'm telling you, nice. this is going to be a fun baseball season in Philadelphia. Can't wait. Thank All you right. for having me, Chet and Bill. All right. Thanks, Dan. Dan. We Thank really appreciate it. Much. Have a great night. All right. Take care. All right, Bill, we're going to take a little break right now, and I'm going to tell you about our friends at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. They had some fun crowds for St. Patrick's Day weekend, of course, but it's always worth your time and money to visit the Irish Rover. Great dinners, steak, chicken, ribs, a variety of burgers, too, awesome sandwiches and wraps, not to mention superb gourmet wings, a new express lunch menu also. This Saturday night, the great band Well Strung is at the Rover, and Saturday the 31st, Blind Janice takes the stage. Watch the NCAA tournament action this weekend on the Rover's many big TVs. Always 24 beers on tap and a great bunch of bartenders and waitstaff. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. And now, because I just saw this band in concert, Judas Priest, here we go. Hey, Chet, you know, I was going to say, I was thinking to myself, it's funny that Dan mentioned about our opening, because I was thinking how cool, this was before he said it, how cool would it be to get Greg Luzinski into our opening somehow, or Vicky Moradini? Great stuff. You know what? I think we have a chance now with the Bull, because uh, I think Dan likes us. <laughs> yeah, well, i tell you what, uh, I sure liked having him on. Great stuff. Again, another one of those guys been around a long time and just has great stories. 
you know, the Willie Montanez, Willie McCovey story. Whoever knew that? You know, I mean, that's a great story. And Willie Montanez was one of my favorite players, by the way, back in the mid-'70s. He wasn't around that long, but he was exciting to watch. You know, he caught the ball at first base, did the little glove twist, and he was fun. He was a hot dog, baby. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> All right, hey, Chet, let's talk a little Flyers hockey. Season quickly coming to an end. You know, just three weeks ago, we're talking about them having been in first place. They've gone three, five, and two in the last ten. New goaltender Peter Morazic has been pulled in a couple of them, including last night's shootout loss. He was not very good. They're now in fourth place in the Metropolitan, and they're hanging on to a playoff spot. Yeah, that they are. They played one of their best games of the season on Sunday in that win over the Capitals to complete a four-point weekend. Then they come back with a clunker against a bad Red Wings team, playing some bad hockey for two-plus periods. Now, the good news is they did salvage a point out of the game, and that's important. But And also, all the guys said the right things afterwards, knowing that you can't let that happen in a playoff push. And I saw one of those websites this morning said, you know, even with their struggles the last uh, couple of weeks, they still have an 89% chance of making the playoffs, of being a playoff team out of the East. So let's hope that that is accurate. Well, they just have to be better in the goal. And, and Morazic was not very good. Alex Lyon came in, played real well, ends up getting a loss in the shootout. Uh, but only gave up one one goal there, and the the Flyers couldn't get any goals. Um, and in overtime, he was outstanding. Um, you know, they they just couldn't put it away. They played a fantastic third period and a pretty decent overtime. But gee whiz, they uh, they let one get away from them. Every point's important, that's for sure. Yeah, and by the way, that Claude Giroux had three assists again last night. He had eighty seven points in seventy four games. Uh, he's got eight games to get 13 points. I'd like to see Giroux get 100 points this season. Wow. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. He's having a great year. He sure is. Well, hey, uh, you know, I always like to bring that up because I know how that goaltending is so important to you, and you, you never feel comfortable with it. But, hey, you had, a chance <laughs> to talk, uh, you had a chance to talk Flyers yesterday with two-time Stanley Cup champion and Broad Street bully Bob the Hound. Kelly, uh, what, what does the Hound think of the current day Flyers? Well, as you're going to hear, Bob likes the core of young talent on the team, and of course he also likes what veterans like Giroux, Voracek, Simmons, and Couturier are doing this season. He's also a big fan of Travis Konechny, and although Hound didn't come out and say it, I'm pretty sure that's because Konechny reminds Bob of himself, something of a human pinball who would do whatever it takes to help the team win. Konechny had a terrific game on Sunday, even though he didn't get on the scoreboard, he is a real team player. And I should mention, Bill, my interview with the Hound took place before the not-so-great Tuesday night game that the Flyers lost via shootout to the Red Wings. So keep that in mind as you listen. Here we go, my chat with Mr. Kelly. Great to be joined for a second time here on Philly Press Box Radio by a popular Philadelphia Flyer from the 1970s, a two-time Stanley Cup winner, currently an ambassador for the team, Bob the Hound Kelly. Bob, how goes it? Hey, Chet, thanks for having me back. Everything's going good. Hound, before we talk about the current Flyers, refresh my memory. Did you hang up your skates for good after last year's 50th anniversary alumni games? Well, I was supposed to, but then I, I dragged them out before the rush started to grow on the blaze. So I, <laughs> I, I actually dragged them back out and played a couple games and a few more games left to play. So, yeah, I figured I got a little more left in the tank here, and it's raising money for charity, so it made sense to do it. Awesome. Good to hear. All right, this, this year's Flyers team, Bob, has been something of an enigma. A 10-game losing streak, an 8-game winning streak, very up and down. Why has this club been so streaky and so inconsistent? Well, you know, I think everybody's written a lot of stuff about it. I mean, number one, we didn't think at this point in time we 
would have four goaltenders, you know, two hurt and two that we have playing here and stuff like that. And I think the kids uh, trying to gain maturity and then going through different situations and the growing pains of the club, you know, you got to be consistent. Obviously, 60 minutes a game, and for every game you're out there, and you know we've you know done some turnovers, exposed the goaltender, some defensive plays, but you know we got some good young kids here that are working hard. I thought Connecty played a great game, showed a lot of a lot of grit and a lot of fire there, and he, he's speedy, and you know I think the kids are gelling, coming together pretty good, and uh, you know hopefully going forward uh, we get in, we make a little dent here in the playoffs. You mentioned Konechny. Uh, yeah, he blocked shots in the game on Sunday. He had a, an old-time fight with T.J. Oshie. I bet you like that. And I know you are a Konechny fan, right? Yeah, I am. I like, he plays with a lot of grit. He, he can fly out there. He gets under your skin. He aggravates people. And, you know, that's what that's what it should be, you know. John back and forth with each other. So it's, uh, and he does. He plays with a lot of fire, and he can fire that puck. And, you know, the, the guys are getting down in there. Uh, you know, Simmons has been banged up and injured there a little bit. And, you know, Cooch is having a tough time getting his 30th goal and his 100th goal. So, you know, it's, it's, it's coming together, hopefully, at the right time. Let's get back to those uh, young flyers. We saw Oscar Lindblom notch his first NHL point and then get his first goal over the weekend. Nolan Patrick has played very well the past two months. Travis Sanheim's getting some work. Ivan Provorov is a keeper on defense, as is Shane Goss to spare, who's rebounded nicely from a subpar season a year ago. Do you like this core of young talent? I do, and I think Hacks use them in the, in the right time, the right situation there, and you're still trying to find who can complement each other. I mean, playing with Provorov is, uh, is an outstanding situation going on there. Gudis plays really strong. Manning, you know, he's kind of caught between the rock and the hardball because he wants to play tough and physical. And, you know, you end up in the penalty box, they score a goal, and the coach looks at you a little bit differently there. A couple missed assignments here and there. But, you know, for the most part, it looks pretty sound. And, you know, with what we have down there and coming back, I mean, we should be pretty sound. If you're going to go deep in the playoffs, you're going you're gonna to need eight or nine defensemen without question. You can see the, the toll that those guys take, you know, like I said, and, and blocking the shots out. But uh, Haig's done a really good job. Sandheim's doing a good job. And, you know, again, they're just young kids that are maturing. And, you know, there was no fast track to, to getting them there. It's getting them up here. And I think they've done a good job. You mentioned Couturier having the great season, 29 goals as we speak here on Monday afternoon. How about the comeback years by Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek? Drew, I think, set an outstanding year all year long. He's been playing just, you know, lights out. That surgery that he had a year ago took a little bit of a toll on him, and, and this year he seems to be skating injury-free out there. He's gritty. He makes the plays. He's, he scores the goals. I mean, I don't think he can say enough about uh, Drew's performance this year. has been, been outstanding, and He's turned into a real good leader out there, and he plays both ends of the ice, and he, he sees the ice well. He sees his teammates well and making plays, and that's what you're kind of asking for. We just need a little more bump from, from the other lines on, on a regular basis. All right, we've got to talk about the goaltending situation. Michael Neuvert and Brian Elliott are both out injured, but should be back in a couple of weeks. Meanwhile, newcomer Peter Marazic and rookie Alex Lyon have held down the fort for the most part in recent weeks. What happens when everybody's healthy? Well, that's why you got GMs and coaches. That's their decision. <laughs> yeah. there. Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a tough call. Uh, if you rush uh, Elliott back, you know, does he re-hurt himself, injure himself, uh, you know, on a surgery there, if he's ready to go? Nervy, you know, you put him in, you, you're going to get good games and bad games with him. I mean, he always has a tendency to get hurt. I think Lyons uh, did a, done an outstanding job when he was up here. Obviously, he didn't last too long the first time up. Recalled him. Played really good hockey there for us, and Mrazek could be hot or cold. Now, what is the longer-term outlook in that? Are we all just waiting for Carter Hart in 2019-20? Um, I don't know. I mean, you got Stolarz out there trying to come back, and if you got Lyon here, it's nice to have Hart there. I mean, he's got to earn his wings. He's got to get here first, and uh, first thing he do is prove himself in the American Hockey League and then see where he goes from there. 
Yeah, in the WHL, Hart had an amazing season. The regular season just ended. Six shutouts and a 1.60 goals against average. He sounds like the real deal, but we'll see. Speaking of the guys still working their way through the ranks, Bob, do you keep tabs on guys like Morgan Frost, who's got more than 100 points out in the OHL, the injury-plagued Sam Morin, fellow defenseman Phil Myers with the Phantoms? Do you follow what they're doing? You know, we get we get stats and all those guys all the time come through here, and, uh, you know, I'll look at them, but I don't pay a whole lot to them because we could end up packaging a deal to make a draft or, or you know, might be throwing a guy in there. So that's not part of my job. To get excited, it's nice to see the kids that we have drafted have been doing really, really well, which shows a great testament to our scouts out there and the way the management is doing in their scouting and, and, and the way the guys are out there, you know, following our guys. So that's great to see, but from where we're at, I mean, a lot could happen by the time they have an opportunity to get up here, you know, see how they do in the American League first. We mentioned Oscar Lindblom getting his first NHL goal over the weekend. Do you remember your first one, I guess, back in 1970? I do, I do. It was, uh, it was in Buffalo. That's all I remember. I don't know nothing about the goal, but it went in in Buffalo. So it was my first NHL goal in regular season, I do believe, anyways. So, you know, memories get old. <laughs> I, b- I bet you remember the other big goal against Buffalo that you had, though, right? You know, uh, people keep saying that. I keep <laughs> telling everybody, you know, it took so many goals and so much sacrifice by the whole team to get to where that had an opportunity to go in. It was, uh, it was just one of those things, you know. We we did practice that with Freddie for a long time, just like you should be doing the shootouts. You know, the guys practice their draws all the time. So that goal was just one that w- was there, just right place to right time. Yeah, the one that gave the Flyers that second Stanley Cup in 1975. All right, how, how do you see the current season ending up for the Flyers? Will they finish in the top three in the Metropolitan Division or be a wild card team, and can they win a playoff round? we got some tough games coming here. I just want to get them in. I don't care where you're slotted. Obviously, you like to be slotted higher. Uh, that's what you're shooting for. You can't shoot just to get in. I mean, we're on a roll now. Pretty tough grind coming up here. Uh, you know, you got the Rangers coming up, and then you're, you're going to uh, in Pittsburgh, in Dallas, in Colorado. So you got some tough things, and you know, if you happen to drop a few of those, and the teams behind you grab a couple, you know, you could be rated that borderline the last couple games. I mean, love. we got Boston here at home, so it's uh, it's a tough grind for the guys. They're big games, but that's what you play for. That's what hockey's all about. That's what sports are all about. And you know, I think if we get in there, um, if we get one of one of the goalies back, it might might help out a little bit, take a little bit of pressure off them. Anything can happen in there. And my belief is always that you're in until you're out. And so you just keep scratching and clawing, and every game you just got to take a game at a time. You can't look at the big picture, well, we'll get through this round. And had a lot of success against Washington. You know, keep your head up, here we come, you know, if we draw Washington type thing. To me, it's just, you know, it's, it's game at a time. You can't look past that right now. And the main thing is just to get in, but you set your sights, obviously, for trying to end up in the top spot. Yep, going to be fun to watch for sure. Hey, Thursday afternoon, there's an event at Xfinity Live that benefits the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation, the Xbox Snyder Cup video game tournament. I know you and Bernie will be there for some of it. What can you tell us about that event? Well, it should be exciting. Uh, it's the uh, the Stanley Cup of the <laughs> of the game, I guess, and uh, the teams that are there and kids, and so we'll be there for them. It's uh, it's a great fundraiser. It's uh, it's sanctioned uh, through the NHL, I believe, and. Uh, with the other one who was in there, but it's uh, it should be a lot of fun, and it's what everybody's going to these days. It's it's kind of like our fusion team that's here that we have playing under Comcast. There's so much technology going on and things going on, so it should be a lot of fun to watch the kids participate. And the biggest thing is is seeing the, the development of the Snyder kids coming through and what Mr. Snyder's left as a legacy and what people continue to to do his work that that he wanted. And and it's just so great to see that these kids learning you know life skills and and what it means to be part of a team and want to be an important uh, contributor in life out here. 
Yep, Thursday at Xfinity Live all afternoon. Finally, Bob, I, I hope you take requests. I was reminded of this the other day in looking through some old articles about you. I had forgotten about this story, but do you have time to tell the snipe hunt story from your rookie season? <laughs> Classic. Uh, uh, real real quick, if you want. <laughs> it, it was, uh, in, in the old days, remember, the kids breaking into the airplane against kids 22, 23 years old. Yep. And, you know, you get 27, 28-year-old. In the old days, I broke in as a 19-year-old playing against guys that were in their 30s, mid-30s, late-30s. And, you know, all you want to do is be accepted. So I'm in here, like, with the Hillmans and Ed Bennett from Chicago and everybody. So they know that I like to hunt. It was on a farm. And guys said, that, you know, they're getting ready to go on a hunting trip. And I said, oh, you know, I want to go. And they said, you can't. You're a rookie. And I go, I know you got to go. So they had every intention of taking me, but I begged and pleaded and everything else with them. So I finally got to go on the snipe hunt. I didn't know what the hell a snipe <laughs> was or whatever. And we went out to one out here in, in Chester County and went through the whole rigmarole up in the woods and everything like that. So I ended up uh, getting arrested out there. And everybody was gone. Earl Heskell and I were, were going together. So uh, Earl decided he was going to run. The cop pulled his gun and discharged it. Uh, it was all part of the plan. <laughs> and uh, so we end up in court. It was a Monday night. We end up in uh, court. I was down the holding cell, took the mug shots and that. And then anyways, they, uh, they said the judge is not real, real happy. We take him away from football. He knows nothing about hockey. And he came in there, so he started reading me the riot act. I thought they were going to deport me. I lose my signing bonus of a whole, you know, $6,000 or something like that. Fine. <laughs> so anyways, at, at the very end, and they, they dragged Earl Heskell in. And he had like a rag wrapped around his leg with blood in it. And they'd been on there, and he had a cigarette in his mouth. And the judge was real cranky that. So anyways, they, uh, they said, can anybody help you? I said, oh, I guess not. I said, I don't have Keith's number. I don't know how you get a hold of Mr. Snyder. I guess I'm just out in limbo. I don't know where the guys are. I mean, they'll find me tomorrow. So it is what it is. He said, well, turn around. Maybe somebody can help you. And then the whole team was standing behind <laughs> me there. So so that came that came from the initiations from the Chicago Blackhawks is what they used to do. And they, Eddie did it here against me. So that was their sign of saying hi as opposed to, you know, shaving my head and putting an atomic bomb all over you or cutting your clothes up or something like that. So. I'll take it. It was fun. A great prank for sure. Bob it Kelly, was. this has been a blast. Thanks very much for taking the time to visit Philly Press Box Radio once again. At any time. Thank you very much, Chet. Appreciate it. <laughs> you know, Chet, I, tell you, I just said this with Dan Baker. I'll say it again now with Bob Kelly. These older guys, they've been around. There's so many stories. It is just such good classic stuff right there. I love Bob Kelly. We, I had him on, you know, last year. I interviewed him for the show, and again this year, I could talk to him for an hour, I think, because I'm sure he's got a lot more stories. So, uh, got to have him back again for sure. Absolutely, he's great. O- always is, and uh, boy, I love them stories. There's, there's so much stuff that goes <laughs> on that the regular fans just don't don't ever get to know about. Maybe he'll tell us what goes on on Bernie Perrant's boat. Uh, maybe you don't <laughs> want to know that. <laughs> But, hey, uh, by the way, that Travis Connecting was outstanding again last night. Got his 20th goal, too. But, uh, yeah, he's he's real good. I like him. Yeah, no wonder Kelly well. likes him. Yep. That's right. Wait, well, hey, Jed, let's talk some Sixers. 69 games in, 39-30 and 30 record, 13 regular season games to play. And I, I actually set this up so you have some time to gloat. Since I only predicted 37 wins and you've already picked more and, you know, they're, they're holding down the sixth spot right now. So give us an update. Since you're the expert here, tell us how many games they're going to win and where are they going to finish in the East? All right. Well, looking at the schedule, it's among the easiest in the league the rest of the way with games against the likes of the Grizzlies, the Hornets, the Knicks, and the Nets. I'm going to say they're going to go 9-4 and four over the final 13 at worst. But I'll go with that, 9-4. and four. That would put them at 48-34, and 34, 
which would be five more wins than even I had predicted. And I was optimistic, you thought. So 48 wins would give them, I'm guessing, the fourth seed in the East, and that's the goal, you know, to finish third or fourth, because then you get home court advantage for the opening round playoff series. And wouldn't that be something? It sure would. Hey, I've got a little stat that I was looking up that might surprise you as uh, I was getting ready for the show today. Ben Simmons leads the Sixers in minutes played at 34.5 per game, played in all 68 games. Robert Covington's missed one game. He averages 32 minutes a game. Number three is that Joel Embiid, averaging 31.3 minutes a game through 58 games in a year. What do you think of that? Oh, that, that's impressive. I mean, let's face facts. When we made those predictions at the beginning of October, mid-October, we didn't know what we were going to get from Embiid in terms of, you know, whether he was going to play back-to-backs, whether he was going to be able to play 30 minutes any night, let alone, you know, average that. Um, we didn't know if he was going to play 50 games, 30 games, 70 games. I was hoping for at least 55, and right now, you know, he's cruising past that. So you can't complain at all about Joel Embiid only missing, what, 11 games this season. He's been fantastic. Still needs to cut down on the turnovers, but he's shown he can handle the grind of the NBA. Well, and I'll tell you, he, he has certainly that. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, the one that really surprises me is that Ben Simmons. He's, he's actually better than I thought he was going to be, and I thought he was going to be pretty good. I mean, he's a guy that could be a career triple-double guy. You know, right now he's a rookie, 16 points a game, eight rebounds, eight assists a game. He's a rookie at 6'10", running the floor like a like a 5'10 guard. Yeah, he's fun to watch. And as, uh, you know, a lot of the analysts have said, and, and Mark Zumoff too, once he gets his outside shot improved, he's going to be just amazing. And, hey, Bill, while we're talking basketball, let's quickly sneak in some Villanova talk and NCAA tournament. I think we can squeeze two minutes of that in right here. What do you think of this NCAA tournament? It is truly March Madness, no doubt about it. The brackets are busted, 16 feet ones. I mean, the, the, the level of competition is so close that there's just it only takes a couple mistakes and teams are getting after teams, and uh, the, the underdogs are laying the, laying the gas on, the, uh, on the, the teams that are higher rated. I may be a 76ers expert. I am not a college basketball expert, and my pools would prove that. I mean, the pool that you're hosting, I'm in 20th out of 25 people, but I'm gunning for dead last, and I think that's very doable. I'm in a pool uh, at my other uh, place of employment also. 86 people are in it. I am 80th currently. So clearly I am not the guy you want to talk to about college basketball predictions. Well, as crazy as it was, I went to bed the other night and I was in first place in, in the Philly <laughs> press box pool and I woke up and I was in 12th. So, uh, you know, I mean, that, that's how crazy these scores have been. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, Chad, it looks like, and it's not going to be in the finals. It's going to be in the, in the final four Villanova and Duke look lined up for, uh, a chance to play in that final four, but Duke's got a very tough, uh, assuming they win now, they've got to go or they've got to beat Syracuse while Villanova's got to beat West Virginia. Two, two tough teams, but uh, they could be on a collision course for uh, the semifinal game. Yep. Kudos to Jay Wright. He continues to you know have that team ready. They look like they are on a mission. They want to win back what they didn't get last year. They want to get that second title of the last three years. As Mike Sielski pointed out in a column in Wednesday morning's philly.com, 
Villanova has won 88% of their games over the last five years, 159 and 21. They haven't lost two games in a row in five years, which is just amazing. So Jay Wright is doing something right, no pun intended. Yes, he is. The only thing that worries me, scares me a little bit, is they live and die so much on the three, uh, as do many other teams. In that Alabama game, which I, I watched every second of, uh, they were in a little tussle at halftime because they did not shoot well in the first half, and you knew or you hoped that they were going to certainly shoot better in the second half. And they came out and lit it up and ended up beating uh, Alabama by 23 points. But that was like a two- or three-point halftime game. Yep, and now here we are in the Sweet 16, another uh, bunch of great games on tap. So, go Nova. Go Nova. Hey, Chad, speaking of uh, traveling, while you were traveling, the Eagles were making moves, bringing guys in, sending guys out. Uh, Too many to list individually, but any of these moves surprise you at this point? I don't think any of the moves would be considered a huge surprise. The biggest losses, though, will obviously be a few of the guys who are gone via free agency, particularly tight end Trey Burton, who went to the Bears, running back LeGarrette Blount, who goes to the Lions, and cornerback Patrick Robinson to the Saints. Of course, they also lost Bo Allen and Vinnie Curry. By the way, nice deal for that Vinnie Curry, $11.5 million guaranteed, $25 million total. So good for Vinnie, nice guy. The best move made by Howie and Joe, if you ask me, Finding a way to retain linebacker Nigel Bradham, who was excellent this past season, he is going to still be an eagle going forward, so that is great news. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Uh, you know, bringing him back in was, was on the top of my list, and, and they did that. Uh, that's good. The, the interesting thing, I think you're going to find out with LeGarrette Blunt is gone. Uh, we'll see how the running back situation works out with, with Darren uh, Sproles, whether he's back. Um, and we'll talk about this with that Fran Duffy when we get him here, uh, nail him down. But they only have one tight end on the roster now, uh, besides the uh, the guy they had on the red shirt uh, practice squad. So uh, with Brent Selick and Trey Burton gone, Zach Ertz is the only experienced tight end. So that will be fun to watch come draft time. There's a guy up at Happy Valley that's a pretty good player. Oh, yeah, I would love to see him. Um, hey, let me ask you what you think of that new pass-rushing defensive end, Michael Bennett, acquired from the Seahawks. Good player, certainly, but he's got a little baggage. What do you think? Well, you know what, Chet? I'm not real happy about the baggage, but you know, I'm going to try to be a football fan and enjoy this thing, and if he turns into a dope, I'm going to tell him he's a dope. I thought he was a dope in <laughs> Seattle, um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, hey, Chad, I was going to say one thing to you as a follow-up to Michael Bennett and all the other stuff going on. How interesting is it that Philadelphia sports fans, Eagles fans, are so in love with Howie Roseman? Howie Roseman can say the sky is green, and the Eagles fans will say, yes, it is. It's just a little off-color. Uh, two words, Bill. Super Bowl. <laughs> Howie makes <laughs> no mistake and Howie we trust. <laughs> He did have a great year, though. I mean, all the moves he made, like I said two weeks ago, pretty much every move he's made has worked out. So, I mean, that's not going to happen every single year. You know that. But right now, he and Joe Douglas are pretty popular guys. Yeah, you sure are. I, I just think it's funny that, uh, for you know, he was probably public enemy number one, even ahead of Chip Kelly there for a while. And uh, now he is on top of the mountain, that's for sure. What have you done for me lately, you know? 
That's right. Well, hey, Chad, before we get to our random Q2, which I think you're going to get back at me this time, uh, I do have to hear about your trip to Florida, Disney with Miss Linda, Clearwater for Phil's action, and you drove right by my house and didn't stop to buy me and Adam and Jessica lunch. Well, here's the deal. I suck at geography, okay? I honestly didn't know that Lakeland was right off of I-4 in Florida until I saw the exit for your fine village, and that prompted me to pull over and text you to mention that you know, I was in the area as I was driving from Orlando to Clearwater, but I couldn't really stop. I had to, you know, get over there. So I enjoyed my time there. And then on the way back to Orlando on Saturday morning, I had to get the rental car back to the Disney area by 10 a.m. So no time for Bill Furman. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, I can tell you, you actually, when you drive across I-4 through Lakeland, you could throw a baseball from your car into my yard. Uh, it's a, I live that close to I-4. I jump right on and right off. And uh, and Adam only lives maybe a half a mile off I-4, not very far. He's just up one exit from me, though. And I said there's a nice Hooters in the area, too. We could have met there. That would have been perfect. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't be my first time there. <laughs> Otherwise, though, the trip was great, even though the Phillies lost both games I attended, which is par for the course with me. They always seem to lose when I'm there, so uh, keep that in mind this season. Great to see the morning crew from WMMR, our pal Chris Wheeler I talked to, author Steve Potter, who we just had on our show a few weeks ago, and, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Carl Henderson and his lovely wife, Sue. I had a chance to chat with those guys as well. I got to see Carl and Sue uh, when they first got down as well. I just haven't been able to get back to see him. was going to go over yesterday, and uh, the weather didn't cooperate over at my house, and then it finally got them later, and the Phils ended up playing a, a six-inning short game over there. Speaking of the weather, it was a little cool in Orlando and Clearwater in both you know the morning and the evening, but the afternoons were beautiful, never a drop of rain. Daytime highs were around 70 when I was there, but it was like down around 50 at night, which is a little little cool. I had to actually wear a jacket or a hoodie a couple of nights. But it sure beats what we have here in uh, Philly and New Jersey. I have like seven or eight inches of snow on the ground this evening here on Wednesday night. So I don't like well, that. We, well, you know what we call that? What? Winter. <laughs> it's March 21st. <laughs> it's spring now. Uh, no, it's winter when it was 50 degrees at night when you woke up. That's winter. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> All right, Mr. Chester, let's talk a little random Q2. It's time, yep. Back on the hot seat you go, Bill. Week four, is it week four? I think, yeah. Season two, random Q2. And, again, what it's all about, Random Q2, is a 10-week thingy. That's a technical term, thingy, in which I ask Bill two little questions. The first question about a sports topic, usually something timely. The second question, one of 10 random questions that have already been written down weeks ago about whatever. You'll pick a number, and we'll get to that in a second. But your first question this evening, Bill, the timely one, um, the Flyers lost a game via shootout Tuesday night. We all know where you stand on shootouts. You hate them. Now, the question, if Bill Furman were an almighty commissioner, what would happen when NHL regular season games were tied after 60 minutes of play? We would play overtime until somebody wins. And three-on-three is okay. I think three-on-three is pretty exciting hockey, actually. Um, but I think you would not have guys, some teams where they kind of, pull up and play conservative in overtime to get to the shootout because one, the Flyers historically are not very good at it, but I think it would be even more exciting if it was a winner take all in a three Oh three overtime. And maybe they stop at five minute breaks. That's fine. If they need a 
minute to catch their breath or whatever, but I'd play to win. And forget this. Like we said before, it's like kicking field goals to win a football game. Meaningless. Todd, for me, I'd make them play as much as 10 minutes of three-on-three instead of just five, but you can't go longer than 10. That would be too much of a grind during the regular season, and I think that's too much. But 10 minutes, I'm okay with. If we're still tied after 10, game over, each team gets a point. Go home. Well, you've got a whole hockey team there, and you're only going to have three on the ice at a time. How tired are you going to get? Yeah, well, you can't. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. Your second question this week, Bill, I need you to pick a number between two and seven or the number 10. So two through seven or number 10. Well, let's, uh, let's go with a doctor. Number six. Number six, Julius Irving. All right. I've got about two dozen of these. Let's see what you say. Other than sports and news, name two or three current TV shows that you watch pretty regularly. Uh... Actually, two of them that I like come on right after we get through our show on uh, on Wednesday nights. I like to watch SVU, and I like to watch Chicago PD. And actually, my favorite show, which isn't on yet at this time of the year, but it's two seasons in, is that uh, detective police show with Jennifer Lopez. Ah, yes. I know the one you speak it, of. It is excellent, and she is excellent, and every cop in that show is dirty. It is so good. Never a bad thing to be watching J-Lo on TV, so I'm, I'm okay with that. Very there, there's your random Q2, week four. All right. Hey, Chet, more great guests tonight with Dan Baker and Bob Kelly. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Tell us. Well, two real good ones once again, Bill. We are locked in with one of them. He is one of our favorite guests. I, I know I say that about everyone, but I do. I like our guests. I digress. A terrific guest from HockeyBuzz.com. That would be Bill Meltzer to talk more Flyers. And if all goes well, we will also be joined on the eve of the Phillies regular season opener in Atlanta by the voice of the Phillies, the awesome T-Mac, Tom McCarthy. Oh, yeah. You him down, dude. No, I, I haven't. But he, he does this to me every year. He just kind of, you know, lets me hang out there. But then I get a hold of him like three days ahead of the show. He's, oh, yeah, sure, let's do it. So uh, it'll happen. Good deal. All right. Hey, Chess, a couple quick signing uh, announcements to mention. Carl Scarborough Collectibles will have 1960 Eagles, Pete Ratzlaff, and Max Vaughn in the store on April 14th. Then Phillies Team 80 World Series champions Bob Walk and Ozzie Virgil Jr., on April 21st, and also the Fan Cave in the Rockville Outlet in Lancaster will be having that Michael Vick in their store on April mm. 14th. Uh, all going to be good draws, I think. Michael Vick, uh, people in Philly love him. Yes, indeed. All and right. I- well, party, parting shot for you, Mr. Chesco? Well, I thought we were going to be pressed for time, and so I didn't really prepare a long parting shot tonight. I just wrote down a couple of notes So here's what I have. I just wanted to say, before I went away, I purchased and watched the Eagles Super Bowl 52 Champions DVD, which actually takes you through not just the Super Bowl, but the entire season and postseason in about an hour and a half, with several extras also on the Blu-ray, and it is awesome. You just forget, I mean, how many terrific plays this team made over those 19 games. There was Blunt's 68-yard run against the Chargers, 
Jake Elliott's 61-yard field goal to beat the Giants. Jay Ajayi running for a 46-yard score in his Eagles debut. Carson's bomb to Matt Collins in the second win over the Redskins. The same game that Mr. Wentz had that great escape scramble. I could go on and on, but I promise you I'll be watching it a few more times over the spring and summer. It is the Eagles Super Bowl 52 champions DVD and Blu-ray, and every Eagles fan should go out and pick up a copy. You won't regret it. So you're saying, since I have all three of the playoff games on my DVR, and I have a DVD recorder, I can record them off of DVDs off of my DVR. I still buy what you're talking about. It has some extra stuff that, that make it work. Yes, it does. There are a lot of extras on there that are definitely worth having, and you can find the thing on sale now for like 17 or 19 bucks. so go get it. All right, I'll do it. Okay, so with that, we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guests, Dan Baker, Bob Hound Kelly, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday. March 28th at 7 p.m., when Bill Meltzer and hopefully Tom McCarthy join us. You can listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl 52 champions. Thank you, thank you.